Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, December 25th. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate Christmas and season's greetings to the rest who don't. I hope you guys are having a happy holiday. I know I am. Just trying to take it easy. A little bit of tummy trouble from who knows what. So that's caused me to take it even easier. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was worth it. Um, today is the 30th anniversary of the execution of a corrupt and evil dictators, Nikolai and Elena Ceausescu of Romania. They were executed by a firing squad at 4 p.m. Christmas Day, 1989. I'm going to talk about that day. But before I get started on that, I just want you guys to imagine what it would be like if there were no Christmas. And I know that sounds cheesy because that's the basis for like a lot of Christmas cartoons. But really think about it. You know, we complain a lot about how commercialized the holiday is. And some people think that it needs to be more religious. Some people feel like it triggers depression when they're when it's Christmas time. But imagine if you just didn't have the option to celebrate, to pig out, to maybe treat yourself, or to get a nice card, to sing a cool song, or to have a, a you know another outlet to direct your anger. <laughs> if you are like at Walgreens and you hear Pink singing "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." Instead, it can temporarily distract you and redirect. You can redirect your angst on this mundane cheerfulness. Christmas is a necessary celebration. And as we, most of us know listening, most of you guys know listening, it was originally a pagan holiday. No one knows the exact date of, of Christ's birth. Um, astrologers and astronomers of the time had predicted that he would actually have been born closer to um, the autumn. So this happens to be, this date though happens to be uh, the Yule celebration of the pagans. And so when there was a transition, when there was the the switch over from paganism to what we now know as Christianity in the first centuries, first through, I guess, maybe post-Crusade, so right after the 10th century or so, uh, they merged they merged the old Yule tide with Christ's birth, so they would retain followers and interest because, uh, you know, th it does serve a purpose. It does serve a purpose coming together in, in what would otherwise be a very cold, dreary month. So, in Ceausescu era of Romania, though, they weren't allowed to celebrate Christmas of any sort. And like I mentioned on my other podcasts, episode, they kind of converged it into this 
stalwart propaganda muscle man guy who gave probably inexpensive gifts, all the same gift to every single child. <laughs> like probably some of their crappy chewing gum or something. So they really didn't ever get a reprieve from the dour grayness of their existence. I think that's why Christmas colors are so cool. The red and the green. It cheers you up after what would normally be a sludgy gray time of year. Also the food. I think I think I like the food the best. And the decor. I like to keep my certain decor up a bit longer than usual. A few days before Christmas, on the 22nd, that was the crescendo of the Romanian Revolution. Now, the the revolution began in Timisoara, outside the Reformed Church of Romania, with Laszlo Tokesh and his wife inside. They had kind of like a parishioner's lodging there. Um, and that is when the there was an attempt at ad- eviction of their of them from the church and then the townspeople surrounded them and then that crowd grew and they started out singing religious songs and then they started singing old anthems uh, that had been banned. There were so many people in they that they ended up marching to Bucharest and surrounding the communist headquarters there. Nicolae Ceausescu, in an attempt to calm everyone down, started making these hollow promises for people who just wanted basic human rights, towards people who wanted just basic human rights, people that couldn't even get bread. He tried to appease them with weird hollow promises. And when that didn't work, he ordered his army and his police to open fire into into the protesters. And uh, the average death toll that that people seem to come to, there's different numbers, but it, it was 1,100. So they were, they were just murdered in cold blood. And a lot of the, and a lot of those who were not murdered, many, many more were, uh, um, imprisoned and then beaten within an inch of their life in, in the prisons. So it, 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 that was the thing that sparked, uh, the arrest of Nikolai and Elena Ceausescu. So they were, uh, there were so many, there was so much confusion in the revolution. Um, there were communists, because it was kind of a, it was like an inter-party coup that seemed at first to be led by Ion Iliescu. And he was a former member of the Central Communist Party Committee. And so he had his people coming in. Then you have these counter-terrorist groups. And then you have soldiers that were supposed to be fighting for Nikolai and Elena basically turning turning on them and then you had 
other, you know, everyone vying for a piece of of the uh, revolutionary pie, but this was happening very quick, quickly, and it was confusing because it was constantly changing. Um, no one really knew the chain of command. And that is when the uh, National Salvation Front stepped in, and they are the ones who arrested Nikolai and Elena. They they arrested them and the arrest of Nikolai and Elena actually protected them from most likely being lynched by the crowd. They probably would have been torn bit, bit by bit. Um, but they, the national salvation front had also taken over the uh, television stations and, and they wanted the, uh, the trial and the um, execution to be televised so that the people of Romania uh, could could believe and know for themselves that that Nikolai and Elena were actually being tried that they weren't being hidden away somewhere they did try to escape they tried to escape via helicopter but they were apprehended on the way and they were held for I think three days um, in relatively comfortable surroundings in a bunker um, at the military base in Tango Viste, Targo Viste Army Base. So they were held in a bunker there. So they were, they were tried for genocide and their, it, it was not made clear in the trial, which was basically held by a kangaroo court of 60,000 people, even though it was unclear if that number referred to the protest during the revolution or during their entire rule. I, I think it, it could be a bit of both. Um, what they did, they were also uh, tried for crimes against humanity uh, via the illegal detention and murder of political opponents and there, and that was a crime of humanity, and therefore punishable by death at the time. So, they Nikolai and Elena had no sign of remorse. Nikolai interrupted Dan Voynier, who was the prosecutor, and he said that he would only answer to Romania's parliament. It, it. I can tell you guys, I can tell you guys the facts about this, but if you can just empathize for a moment with the people of this country and, and the basic, you know, austerity doesn't even begin to cover it. Basically the sub subhuman, you know, lab rat existence that they had in their own country was, was, uh, through these selfish and cruel people. They're so horrible and they don't even care. They don't even place any connection to why their people are so angry and why they hate them so much. They're completely out of touch with it. And they have no remorse because they have no respect for their people and therefore no respect for their country. Leaders must respect the people that they have authority over. They must have respect for other people. Apparently, Nikolai was dripping in cologne. That was a weird fact. He 
loved wearing tons of cologne. I'm not sure which one it was, but I, my guess it was probably something like high karate. So, or English leather or something like that. Um, his tastes were kind of all over the place. So, yeah, and Elena, you know, she's no Jackie O. She's very coarse, and she kept shouting and cussing and swearing. They thought that the trial was just for appearance's sake, and nothing would happen to them. Now, I have written down a few of the phrases that she uttered in Romanian and to give a, a touch of authenticity to the trial to, to take you back to the trial. So one of them that she shouted was Dracu, which means fuck you to them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your first lady saying fuck you? It's just not, it's just not done. It's very untoward, even under duress. Dracul. And then the other one was Rushin, Rushin. Shame, shame. So, yeah, she was, she kept saying that, and uh, Nikolai, the love of her life, kept squeezing her hand to kind of like get her to stop, to get to stop squawking. They, this is so gross. And make of it what you will, but apparently they were very in love with each other. I, I, th- I think that's sick. I, th- I, I know everyone needs and deserves love, but ugh, it just makes it grosser. It's just like ugh. Um, so yeah, they didn't really start taking them seriously until they were they were forcibly taken out, and they had their hands tied behind their backs. So they were taken out uh, to the the side of the barracks, and there was such a rush to to shoot them that that there they had to base the um, the man in, in charge, Captain Iano Boru. He he had to make sure that they just didn't start going for the face because it was very important that they kept the faces of Nikolai and Elena um, unharmed by bullets because they really needed to prove to the people of Romania that it was indeed Nikolai and Elena who who were shot. Like, you know, Saddam, like Saddam Hussein, you know, there's theories that they just killed one of his body doubles and he's floating around somewhere. He had many body doubles and, and you know what, bad guys, have body doubles and I think I think it's hard Nikolai and Elena were probably the stupidest of all the dictators ever and I don't think they could find anyone as ugly as them to be their body double Um, unless they used like prosthetic makeup or something um, to capture their ugliness they're anyway so they they were shot with um, AK-47s, if you can imagine. I mean, what a hell of a gun, you know? Um, and there, they were three, there were three men selected for the firing squad. They'd already been selected before the trial. In fact, that was their, the, the trial lasted like a little under an hour. 
Um, and and it, it was, in a way, it was a formality, but it was also a way to officially uh, give cause to the execution. So two of the guns, the soldiers forgot to switch it to automatic. So it, it basically most of all the bullets that killed Nikolai and Elena came from Captain Eonel. After they were shot, though, um, 120 bullets were found in the couple's bodies, like between the two of them. And it is speculated that the reason why there's that many bullets besides, you know, probably the soldier's glee in shooting these horrible people had to do with them having to quickly reenact the execution again for the film cameras because uh, for the camera crew because the the crew didn't get there in enough time to show to show that because they were taken out to the uh, out back very quickly just kind of just bum rushed out um someone had put a handkerchief over elena's face after she died and it was covered in blood they took the handkerchief off and you can see the footage and it's just you can see their faces like they prop their heads up so you can see that it's them and there's blood just running down the sidewalk it's very it's a very stunning it's it's messy it's stunning it's brilliant. I highly recommend that you pause It's a Wonderful Life and turn on some YouTube and just feed, you know, put in execution of the Ceausescu's in there. The last thing that Nikolai said was in song. He broke into song before he was shot. He was singing the uh, the Romanian national anthem, ironically. He's such a fucking patriot. And Elena, she said, Voi fide curva, you sons of bitches. But I have a couple names for her as well. Faisa de Cartufi. Potato face. That's one I made up just for her. And here's one that the people of Romania had for her. Kodoy. Um, I have covered her, how she, she tried to um, mask her intellectual deficiencies with fake scientific medals and and papers that she did not write and awards and degrees Kodoy is what what the people of Romania uh, nicknamed her and it referred to her mispronunciation of carbon C for carbon O for oxygen and doy for two but Kodoy is also slang for ass. And, you know, I did cover how she had a very large butt. So it was kind of a double, it was a great Romanian double entendre that it was a multi-layered subversive joke that unless one of her goons or stooges told her what it meant, she herself would not know what they were talking about. Uh, 
So there was a lot of that going on, um, and it gives you a little bit of flavor for the constant undercurrent of subversion, which led in part to the revolution. People are looking all the time for freedom to seep out of their pores, and it seeps into our language and our every movement if we are not given the freedom we all deserve. So it was a somewhat happy, if not bloody ending it was a day of, of, of mayhem and chaos, of violence, blood, and the people who died on that day, they did not die in vain. Because if it were not for them taking a stand against this evil and against this oppression, then the Romanians never would have had a chance. And Niku, the disgusting rapist son of Nicol- Nicolae and Elena, would have succeeded them in in what would have been a dynasty of evil now that's not to say that it got much better Ian Iliescu uh, the person who succeeded them and ruled for a very long time is now he's currently he himself uh, at Christmas time is on trial for crimes against humanity in how he handled the revolutionaries on that day but this closes that chapter of Nikolai and Elena Ceausescu. I am at the moment compiling a small series about Nadia Comaneci, and it's going to take me a little while to uh, to present to you, but I'm really looking forward to bringing you the story of this amazing, remarkable woman. I think that you guys will be inspired and uplifted by her her insane and fascinating life and her story and she had a very very difficult and narrow escape from Romania herself at a very young age in the meantime though I hope that you will um, continue to celebrate with gusto and be merry and whether you're by yourself don't be sad it's just another day And there's nothing wrong with being by yourself on Christmas. It's actually quite a relief. And if you're around a bunch of people, like relatives and stuff, and you're kind of forced to, you know, congregate with them, why not listen to some more back episodes of podcasts in the backyard or something? You know, maybe take a walk around the block, smoke a joint, if you are of age. And then if you are with people that you love hold them close and let them know that you love them and you care for them. This is a really good day to do it on Christmas Day. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.